Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. You know, you'd like to think that, uh, you know, February might be an okay time to sort of step away from work here for a little bit, take some time with the family, that, you know, you're kind of uh, quiet, you know, a little sort of off-season posture. You'd like to think that was an okay time to sort of sneak away and get away, but as it turns out, that's probably not the case. There's really never a time in which Georgia news stops slowing down. I, I did love being off. It was great to have a chance to spend some time with my family, but at the same time, uh, you, know, you always, you know, are, are mindful of what may be happening while you're gone. You want to be back talking about it. So very, very thankful here on this Friday to be sitting back down here again and able to address the news that we know as relates to Georgia football and the news we expect to become official here, uh, perhaps in a time, or at least we're on guard for the strong possibility that could be the case. It looks like Georgia is in the midst of at least one coaching search if not another one coming up very soon there as well. So let's talk about what we do know for now, and we'll kind of work our way through what could be true after that. Obviously, Brian McClendon, as you know, has left Georgia to become wide receivers coach of the Tampa Bay Bucs. And so this brings up the question of, okay, what does Georgia do next at the wide receiver position? This is one of those moments where I think you have to be a little bit honest here is that there is a lot of energy around the Georgia wide receiver position anyway. And in a roundabout way, we've addressed this a lot on our show the uh, last few weeks, uh, just of like negative recruiting and the the perception. Remember, we had this thing on the show not too long ago where uh, Julian Lewis, by the way, there's more news with Ju- Julian Lewis out there that we'll get to today uh, here too in a moment. But we had the thing where Lewis took the visit to Georgia back in the early part of the month. And one of his takeaways from the visit was, wow, I didn't know that Georgia was this good offensively. They were even better offensively than I thought they were, something along those lines. What we said at the time was, okay, so that is proof that somehow there is a level of negative recruiting that goes on against Georgia, and that negative recruiting seems to be working. It seems to have an impact where quarterbacks like Lewis, perhaps, certainly the top wide receivers, just have this little bit of a perception about what Georgia is at that position. So the fact that we're talking about the the need for Georgia – to bring in a new wide receivers coach uh, only kind of reignites the question that people have to begin with of, well, how come wide receiver, at least from a recruiting profile standpoint, how come it kind of lags behind on the offensive side, running back and offensive line, even quarterback, uh, certainly the defensive positions? How come there's this lag and pers- uh, obviously tied in the position that Georgia sort of dominates? You know, how come there is this. Um, this, the, the, this difficulty in establishing wide receiver to be a position alongside the others in terms of the stature and the ability to attract talent. So that's already a little bit of an issue uh, that takes place, already a little bit of a conversation uh, that is ongoing, and and that energy is kind of only reignited now that Georgia is looking for a brand-new wide receivers coach. The other topic that kind of pops up right away on something like this is also those sort of familiar names. And – you know, the notion that Georgia probably is looking to pursue one of two routes here, one of two lanes when it comes to its wide receivers coach. There's the sort of lane of guys who are really, really famous and really, really well-known. And I want to talk about that lane and that route here for a moment because I remember I've worked for uh, this company going back since like summer of 2015, August 2015 is when we started Dog Nation Daily. And around that time, I remember I got tasked with going to this event, the College Football Hall of Fame, and one of the very first interviews I ever conducted 
as the uh, host for Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger was with Heinz Ward, who happened to be there. I forget what the event even was, but Ward was there talking to him. And, you know, the subject came up of, hey, this is right when Kirby's might have been hired. Hey, would you want to go be, you know, Georgia wide receivers coach? And the time, Ward was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, you better believe it. He was very open, very adamant about wanting to do it. At that point in time, Ward was not really a uh, assistant or not really a coach. He was just a guy that kind of finished his career, had a kind of an eye on coaching, but he's not really a coach. Now what's happened is, since then is, is Ward's gotten a lot more serious about being a coach. He's been on the FAU staff. He worked with the New York Jets. He's in one of those like spring leagues now. He has seemingly gotten a lot more serious about wanting to be a coach, but for a long time, Heinz Ward has said, if Kirby Smart wants me, I want to be in the staff. And a lot of fans are very well aware of this. And so, therefore, anytime these discussions come up, you know, the name Heinz Ward kind of pops up because of how open Ward has been about wanting to have this job. So I think it's kind of important to sort of take this head on because we try to be, we, we always say we're the, uh, you know, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We try to reflect the fan conversation that's taking place. And so since fans are bringing up the name Heinz Ward, let's sort of bring that name up too here because if you want to go back like a, a year ago, Ward was in Athens. He was doing some sort of promotional event for a hotel or something along those lines. And J.C. Shelton, a guy that I guess does some Georgia stuff online, had a chance to interview Heinz Ward. And Ward said again in that interview uh, what he had told me back in like early 2016, which was, yeah, I'd love to be uh, Georgia's wide receiver coach. This is what Heinz Ward, the uh, terrific former Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the all-time great Georgia Bulldogs, said with a guy named J.C. Shelton just last year. Take a listen to this. Speaking about, you know, Kirby, if uh, I'll give you a hypothetical here. He calls you tomorrow to come coach with him. You know, what would your response be? I'll quit whatever I'm doing. I'm coming here. I would love to come back. I mean, like I said, we took that oath a long time ago. When we, when we committed to the University of Georgia, it was trying to keep the best players in state. At the time when we all signed back in 1994, we were the best of the best players in high school football. We all took a vow to change things around and, you know, certain players, their career took off. Some made it into the NFL, some got injured, some not. So anytime, this is like the dream job for all of us, you know, being friends. That's what it's all about. So it would be a great dream job, but, you know, God has a plan for me. And if that's in path and so be it and I don't want people to go asking everybody and putting stuff but uh, I, I would quit whatever I'm doing to come back and, and be a part of that so I play that clip for the simple reason just to articulate how serious Heinz Ward seemingly is about his unwavering desire to be wide receivers coach to place like Georgia now let me say this this way I am not against that on spec. I, that, that's not something I would immediately dismiss. As I said before, you know, Georgia clearly has a little bit of a perception issue when it comes to receiver position, whether the results demonstrate that should be or true or not. There is a little bit of a perception issue there on that. I think some of the teams that have rolled the dice with coaching hires in recent years have been kind of glad they did that. You know, sometimes when you make a hire that's a little bit outside the box, in the case of Ward, this would be a little bit outside the box. Sometimes that kind of stuff sort of works. So I'm not necessarily against the Heinz Ward hire here. I think it's kind of cool that a guy like Ward has said, I want to be a coach. He's simply done some work to become a coach. And he's been very clear about what his, what his goals are, which is to be a coach at a place like Georgia and how much that would mean to him. I've got no problem with how Ward's going about his business. And if Georgia said, if Kirby Smart said, yeah, this is the guy we want. We're going to take a chance on a guy like this because he is so famous, because he does have cachet, certainly 
you know, with uh, with a certain, you know, you know, you know, kind of player, perhaps because of the success that he had in the NFL, uh, then yeah, we're going to roll the dice and bring this guy in. If that's what Georgia wanted to do, I'd have no problem doing that. The only thing I would say to the Georgia fans who sort of wonder, well, why not Heinz Ward? He says he wants the job. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Here's the one thing I would tell you to keep in mind. Kirby Smart is a very private person uh, in terms of his thought process. He reveals oftentimes as little as he possibly can in terms of any kind of like coaching news or anything like that. You know, Georgia just does not really operate with a lot of public stuff related to this. They've oftentimes gone about their business very, very quietly on a lot of things like this. So I have no idea what Kirby's March relationship with Heinz Ward is. I'm presuming they're close because they did play together. Obviously, you know, Heinz Ward referenced that in the clip you just heard. But in terms about how you go about your business operationally, the kind of very loud, specific proclamations that Heinz Ward makes and clips like the one you just heard, what he told me way back in 2016, all the times he sort of talked about that in between then, that's just not how Kirby Smart goes about his business. It's it's just not. So I don't know what that means in terms of, you know, how all this could play out in the future, but it would make me it would make me less likely to believe that Ward is a real candidate to be the Georgia wide receivers coach given the fact that he's talking about this so loudly and so openly, which me personally, I don't mind. I mean, I think there's something in life too, stating your goals and then going after those goals. I think there's something to that. I don't think there's anything wrong with the fact that Heinz Ward is willing to be honest about what he'd like to see happen. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but that's just not how Kirby Smart goes about his business. So the fact that Ward so frequently has spoken so openly about this, you know, Kirby Smart seems to enjoy moving in silence and you know, he doesn't want his assistant coaches speaking at all. So the fact that Ward has spoken so much prior to what he would say is his goal to become a Georgia assistant coach, that's just not in keeping with what Kirby Smart, you know, kind of does there. So I would use that as a little bit of a caution of, you know, how realistic is Heinz Ward. The fact that Ward is so willing to speak so openly about this would sort of tell me that that's not likely to probably happen. Does that make, whether you agree with it or not, does that make sense? Uh, perhaps it, it does. Kirby's very quiet. Kirby's very private. Things around Georgia have a tendency to move in silence. And anything that's not silent is not UGA, at least under Kirby Smart. And so that's where I would be with the Heinz Ward thing. But that's not the only potential big name that's perhaps out there. A guy that you know that we are very much in the corner for is our good friend and the uh, respected analyst, a guy that we love having on our show each week, Terrence Edwards. The other day, you know, Jeff Sintel, our uh, recruiting insider, was talking to Travis Smith, a receiver we talk about quite a bit. From Westlake High School, obviously a guy that trains uh, is trained by Terrence Edwards. And uh, Jeff asked Travis Smith about Heinz Ward, who I just mentioned, possibly becoming the Georgia wide receivers coach. And uh, Travis quickly pivoted, well, how about a different famous name to, to be the wide receivers coach instead? As I said before, a lot of chatter about p- perhaps famous names that Georgia could hire. If not Heinz Ward, what about Terrence Edwards? Travis Smith brought that up the other day. Take a look at this. Question maybe for the fans. They all talk about Heinz Ward should be the wide receivers coach. What would that do for you? Is that a name that you recognize and you'd be like, that's a man that got to the league and you, you could learn a lot from? Yeah, but actually, you know, it would be great to see Terrence Edwards as well, you know, being the, that new step up. Because, you know, what Terrence has put, the stand he has put into the Georgia, the Georgia infrastructure is amazing. You know, all the records he set. You know, many people people know him, but the things that he's done, that'll be great, you know, just to try to follow up through his tracks and, you know, maybe beat those records. 
Can that catch Georgia up? Oh, yeah, definitely. And you talked about how do they feel with the shoes with BMAC. Would that be a plus for Georgia? If they for had sure. Them? You know, due to the fact I already trained with Coach Terrence Edwards and, you know, the fact that, you know, we already have a great relationship. He's been training me for a couple of years. That would be awesome. But, you know, I'm curious to see. So, listen, I mean, you don't, you don't have to guess what our opinion is on this. We love Terrence Edwards. We would absolutely flip backwards to support Terrence getting this job. And, A, I think that Terrence would be really good at the job there as well. Terrence clearly has a heart for players. Terrence clearly knows the position. Guys like Travis Smith getting that personal, you know, coaching from him. You know, uh, of course, we think that that, that Terrence would be an, uh, a grand slam home run higher here in this spot. It's also fair to point out Terrence has just taken a job. He's a head coach for the first time in Georgia high school football. I know personally he's very excited about doing that. So uh, obviously from the standpoint of his current employment situation, I think that Terrence is very happy in the job that he's in. But if it ever became, you know, if, if the if the snowballs ever started to, to sort of spin and, and, and roll down the hill for Terrence Edwards getting this job, absolutely we'd be all over the idea that Terrence Edwards could be this job, and we take it very seriously that guys like Travis Smith, who is a big-time receiver prospect out of Westlake High School, the fact that he vouches for Terrence as strongly as he does, and he's not the only one. A lot of really good receivers over the years have. The fact that they speak as as kindly of Terrence as they do, that sort of tells you everything that we need to know. Do I think that Terrence will be one day coaching in college? I do. Uh, would I love for that to be uh, at a place like Georgia? Obviously, I, I would. Is the timing right for that now? I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I'm literally just coming back uh, after having been gone for a few days. Uh, I, I, as I said before, I know Terrence has just taken a job. I know he's very happy with the job that he just took. We do believe, though, that if Terrence ever got a shot at something like this, that he'd be a very strong candidate and a, and a very successful coach uh, in a situation like this. It is certainly nice to hear Travis Smith saying what he's saying. So that's the other sort of famous name that could be out there, a guy that we obviously love and respect in Terrence Edwards. The other name that kind of comes up here in the sort of famous name category is perhaps a guy like James Coley, who uh, I'll just be very candid. A lot of you know I did not like James Coley as the as the offensive coordinator here. I thought the 2019 offense that Georgia ran just didn't work, just did not work. I, I did not think that was a good offense. But as a wide receivers coach, as someone who's not play calling, as someone who's here for talent acquisition and – dipping into South Florida, a place that he knows well, and coaching up receivers, something that I believe that Coley's more than capable of doing. Would James Coley be okay in a role like that? I'd have no problem with that. I'm not a fan of James Coley as the offensive coordinator. I've been very clear about that. As wide receivers coach or some sort of position coach, James Coley is clearly qualified for something along those lines. So that's the sort of one category that George could be in here, the sort of famous name, guys you've heard of before. The other part of this the is sort of, is sort of the, the less famous name. That's the other lane that Georgia could be in, the other route that Georgia could go, you know, names that are perhaps not as as famous to everyone in our audience. And the one thing you sort of see there are guys that have deep ties to Georgia high school football. For instance, Jimmy Smith is the name, the former Cedar Grove head coach, that if Georgia is looking to replace Del McGee at running backs coach, you know, that could be a guy that sort of pops up there, more on the McGee situation here in a moment. That's a guy who was a coach at Cedar Grove who knows Georgia high school football. It's not a surprise you're hearing that name sort of show up for some of this kind of stuff. Josh Crawford is the wide receivers coach at Georgia Tech. You know, you can say what you want to about Georgia Tech, but the one thing that Brent Key's been pretty smart about doing is bringing in a lot of former Georgia high school football coaches as a part of his staff. It's support staffers like Bill Stewart and Tim McFarland. It's a guy like uh, Crawford who's been at Colquitt and, and – uh, 
Lee County and Valdosta and places like that, that that Georgia perhaps, instead of going the route of the sort of famous name, the Terrence, the Hines, the James Coley, maybe it's thinking about a guy like a Crawford who is a lot more closely tied to Georgia high school football, even if he's not super famous to everybody in our audience. Either way, to sort of wrap up uh, the sort of landscape of where all this is right now, I think the open position here for UGA creates an opportunity. I think it's an opportunity for Georgia to establish a little more stability at this position. You know, McClendon's return to UGA turned out not to be a long-term proposition. The results were good. Uh, Clearly, you know, you go back to the Peach Bowl in 2022, that may be kind of the shining moment of Brian McClendon as Georgia wide receivers coach, the way those receivers played that day against the Buckeyes. But ultimately, this is sort of a short-term tenure for McClendon here. The guy before that, Cortez Hankton, I think is largely regarded as an unsuccessful assistant coach during his time here at UGA overall. So clearly there's sort of an opportunity for reboot when it comes to a new wide receivers coach and a chance to establish some stability and maybe a chance to sort of enhance the branding around the Georgia wide receiver position. The results have been good. The Georgia offense has been humming right along. There were some big-time performances, as I mentioned before, you know, kind of matching play for play. The Ohio State guys back in 2022, perhaps the the biggest example of that, but that sort of negative – Perception still lingers here a little bit, and a, a new uh, wide receivers coach has a chance to change that. And so whether Georgia goes the route of the famous name, the guys we've heard of before, or whether it goes the route of guys that may be not quite so famous to everybody in our audience, but certainly well-known to the Georgia high school coaches, uh, clearly Georgia has a chance here to sort of define what it wants to be at the receiver position, one of the most important off-season topics for Georgia, uh, perhaps taking shape over the course of the next few days. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Kroger, and we are glad to have you with us. No matter how you get to us live on video, 10 a.m. across all video platforms. We start 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app. Of course, radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 96, The Ref, uh, and then a, a podcast, however you find them. Apple, Spotify, everything else in between. We're just really, really glad that you're a part of Dog Nation Daily. Posting the show at the world-famous dognation.com there as well. A little long off the top today, but a lot to get to when it came to the Brian McClendon stuff here and kind of how Georgia may go in terms of filling that position. We've got a lot more to say about all that here today. Let me also give a shout-out to our friends at Kroger for making the show possible for you today. And don't forget, uh, the Guided Kids Cooking Experience, known as Kroger Chef Jr., couple of times for you to experience that in the month of March, and it's going to be great. I want you to go to KrogerChefJr.com for more on that. That's the word junior spelled out, J-U-N-I-O-R, KrogerChefJr.com for more on that. It's just $7 per child. It's a chance to make a fun food item every month. There's a couple different chances for you to enjoy that in the month of March. Go to the website. You can find out more of the specific details, including where it's going to be and when it's going to be a couple of times during the month of March. And in addition to being a part of the food preparation process, you also get some really cool stuff. Usually it's a recipe card in a box. It's, it's the, the chef's hat, the spatula, all kind of the uh, paraphernalia associated with the cooking process. Our friends at Kroger will give that to you there as well. So find them online, KrogerChefJr.com. Once again, the word junior spelled out, J-U-N-I-O-R, KrogerChefJr.com for a lot more on that today. So that's the story. Brian McClendon out uh, replacing uh, him is the uh, process ongoing here right now. We'll have a couple of guests to help us talk about that here today. It's Jake Fromm a little bit later on about, you know, as a quarterback, what do you want to see from the receiver position here, Georgia moving forward? 
and Jeff Sintel, a little bit more specifics on the actual candidates that could replace McClendon. We've got that coming up in a moment. But wait, that's not all. Let's get ready to transition now to Around the Doghouse, board today by our friends at the Finish Long Drink. You certainly uh, appeared to have the possibility that Georgia could have another coaching surge uh, that I'll be involved with here uh, coming up. The next, I'm hearing a little bit coming through the uh, system here. But um, you have another coaching surge that uh, Georgia could be perhaps in the mix for coming up very soon there as well because there's been some reporting as of late, and we expect this could perhaps be official as soon as today. I'll show you this from Bruce Feldman on uh, Twitter here about Del McGee being a strong candidate to replace uh, their departed Georgia State coach, who's now going to South Carolina to be an assistant coach. What Feldman put out on uh, Twitter the other day was is that uh, the one FBS head coaching vacancy left, some assistants with strong ties are Georgia State, uh, for, for Georgia State are Del McGee, uh, Trooper Taylor, who's now at Texas A&M. You remember him as the towel guy from Auburn, Tennessee, a few years ago. And then uh, Buster Faulkner, obviously the offensive coordinator there, at Georgia Tech there as well. The name we care about is Dell McGee. The idea that Dell McGee could be a strong candidate in the mix for this job here right now. Interesting because McGee is one of those really kind of a sort of OG, if you will, on the, on the Georgia coaching staff for Kirby Smart. He's been with Smart since the beginning, and he has been very instrumental in the success that uh, Georgia's been able to enjoy. I think that when you think about every great football program having a culture. I think that Del McGee deserves a lot of credit for helping cultivate the culture that has been in place for UGA. And I think if you're a Georgia fan, while you never want to lose a good coach, I think the proper response to McGee, if he does take the Georgia State job, is being very happy for him to sort of move up the ranks and become a head coach. I think he'd be really happy about that, but also just really grateful for the contribution that he made to Georgia while he was here, if it is indeed the case, then McGee is on his way to Georgia State to become uh, the next head coach. I think that's probably the, the the right mindset, the right attitude to have about all of this. In fact, I was kind of going back and look at some old stuff here today. Way back in 2021, there was a great clip from Branson Robinson with our Jeff Sintel about Del McGee and the sort of way in which McGee was always so successful bringing so many great running backs to Georgia, but also – kind of creating a great bond within that running back room while all those guys were on campus. McGee has been a very special spot, a special part of the success formula for UGA. And way back in 2021, back when he was still a recruit, I think Branson Robinson explained all that really well. So in light of the fact that McGee could be leaving, let's kind of think about what Dell McGee has brought to Georgia while he's been here. Here's Branson Robinson. Why is Georgia still your number one? Uh, just the relationship with, you know, different coaches, you know, Coach Smart, you know, Coach McGee, pretty much the whole coaching staff. And it's just the bond that I got, especially with Coach McGee, you know, just talk about certain things and stuff like that. Not on and off the field. Sometimes it's just about life and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's, I just it's just really the coaching staff that really pulls me towards Georgia right now. How would you describe your relationship with Coach McGee? Um... I would say he's more like an, an another father, I would say. You know, nobody is your father, but, you know, we talk about things, you know, not things like considering football, you know, some things about, he talk about his wife and kids and talk about how my day went at school and how my grades are and stuff like that. It's just certain stuff like that. 
I mean, that's a real thing. And the fact that McGee is able to so easily establish those relationships with players, you can clearly hear in Branson Robinson's words what it meant to him. And that's what Dell's been doing over and over and over again. So McGee leaving would obviously be a big loss, but it's also one of those things that, you know, you don't always get to keep a guy like that around for, you talk about nine years, whatever it's been, for a guy like that to be here. You just don't oftentimes get the opportunity to do that. Uh, but Dell McGee has clearly brought a lot to Georgia. And honestly, what a great success story, both for McGee personally, but also for, for Georgia here under Kirby Smart, where McGee could be, what, the third position coach to leave to become a head coach. Obviously, Fran Brown just doing that, going to Syracuse, Sam Pittman before that. There have been other guys, Dan Lanning, leave but more traditional route, the, court, the coordinator spot to head coach. McGee could become the third position coach to become a head coach. And, you know, uh, a, a guy who, you know, kind of worked his way up the ranks as a high school coach there at Carver in, in Columbus to perhaps now a head coach in, in the world of college football. Quite a miraculous climb and a tremendous success story if that's indeed the case here. Uh, we'll be watching this closely and looking to see, does Georgia have another uh, coaching search ongoing here? But clearly, Del McGee has brought a lot to Georgia during his time here as one of the very first assistant coaching hires for Kirby Smart way back when he first took the job in 2016, and a guy who's been here for the duration of the Kirby Smart tenure here. So perhaps other Another piece of big news dropping here before uh, too much longer. Dell McGee perhaps on his way to Georgia State. That is around the doghouse. It's poured today by our friends at the Finish Long Drink. When you got the news coming as fast and furious as all of this, perhaps a little bit of Finish Long Drink makes some sense for you here. This weekend, always a great time to enjoy that, whether it's the peach-flavored version in the Peach State here for a limited time, or you want the long drink traditional, the blue can, the grapefruit flavor, the gin kick. You want the long drink cranberry. Everybody loves that. The long drink strong, 8.5%. Alcohol by volume. Long drink, zero. No carbs, no sugar. After a little bit of a time away from work, probably a pretty good idea for me to sort of think about the uh, no carb, no sugar version. Uh, either way, there's a finished long drink version for you and a variety for you to try. So go online to thelongdrink.com. You can put in your zip code, and you can find out where you can pick some up today, this ready-to-drink cocktail. You like mixed drinks? Well, how about a mixed drink? You don't have to mix yourself. That is what the finished long drink is, and so you can find out more about all of that online at the long drink. So, before we're done today, former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm going to help us make sense of all of this. But for now, on what we know is coming next for the wide receiver's position, what could be coming when it comes to Del McGee, let's cover all of that ground and more here today with Jeff Sintel on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Let's say hello to Jeff Sintel here. And, Jeff, you know this feeling. You're away from work. You kind of pop back in. You start playing catch-up as fast as you can. We're obviously doing that today uh, as aggressively as possibly can. We knew uh, the Brian McClendon news. I've known that for a little while. And now for the last little bit, kind of getting acquainted with the possibility that it looks like Dell McGee could be on the move there as well. Uh, let me start with the McGee part of this. Uh, I guess, is it your expectation that, you know, what's not official now is simply a matter of dot and I's and crossing T's and the Del McGee thing will become official and that Del McGee will be the next head coach at Georgia State? Is that your expectation here, Jeff? Uh, I guess that's the hope and slash expectation because, I mean, Brandon, I don't know. We've legitimately thought about Dell has earned his place as – whether it's an offensive coordinator or whether it's a head coach somewhere, uh, he's earned that man over and over. I think when he, when he, when he got through with maybe his second cycle of bringing in DeAndre Swift and then Zamir White and James Cook, I mean, 
I think it I think it was definitely deserving. You know, the thing with Dell is I mean, I'll give you an example. Like right now, Dell is such a big deal that there's a young man in um, Mississippi that I'll be honest, I got pretty deep, wide network of connections. And I know Georgia had offered a young man named Kylan Deer. And but I had no idea that Georgia was really, really on him. Like the folks in Mississippi, they all think they're getting him. They think he's an old Miss lock. But I talked to him at the um, the Under Armour Atlanta camp, and he said that Dell has been sending him messages, been recruiting him like a priority for well over a year. And no other school does that. No other team does that. Brandon, I want you to think about this for a second. While Dell was busy recruiting, flipping a gay, uh, Florida Gator commitment, and then bringing in a, a young man, the nation's number two running back from California in the 2024 class, he was already in full pursuit mode for a not a five-star, but a guy that he really liked in a Kylan Deer. And he even got the treatment. We've talked about this on your show before where he got the daily Bible verse treatment. Like there was a passage of scripture that Dell would send and he was in a group chat, a group text with his mother as well. His mother, the recruit in Dell. And I, I went away from that thinking. Number one, he told me that Georgia is really, really in it. And then he said that Georgia's going to get an official. And I said, anybody else going to get an official right now? And he said, no, not right now. And for me, I guess I wanted to tell that story briefly because you take Dell McGee out of that equation and Georgia probably won't sign in a Kylan Deer now because that year and a half of investment, of recruiting priority, of developing that relationship is so strong. And that was probably going to be what would allow Georgia to pull a talent like that out, out from the state of Mississippi again. But, you know, that it would be so well earned for Dell. Everybody always says he's going to get the chance to coach his son. Uh, if anybody wanted to speak fiscally, that would allow him to still stay in the Georgia, you know, state retirement system because he's been there at Georgia. I believe he said he was nine years. He was at Carver Columbus before that. And then he would move to another institution in the state of Georgia as well. I'd just say Dell yes about it all. I think the the seeing his name in there and seeing his name so prominently in there, he's got the background. He's going to recruit the breaks off the state of Georgia make Georgia State better. He's going to hire a great staff. So should it be Dell? I'd just I'd, I'd say Dell, yes, about that, man. Well, I like the uh, play on words there. And I think that the way that you're speaking about that is the way that Georgia fans, I think I'll look at this too, which is, you know, you don't want to lose a valuable assistant coach. I don't think there's any doubt that Dell McGee has had a lot of value to UGA. No doubt about that whatsoever. We tried to chronicle that ourselves here today. But expectation-wise, you know, a guy hired in 2016, the fact that he could still be here in 2024 in this day and age, I, I don't know how frequently something like that's going to possibly happen here. So Georgia's probably kept Del McGee as long as it could have ever hoped to. And for a guy like this, who I think has aspirations to be a head coach, the fact that he could go do that, I mean, I think that you ought to be happy about this professional accomplishment and say, yeah, listen, go be great, as the saying goes. And, you know, you go have a chance to do that. Your own son is, as you said before, going to be at Georgia State. You have a chance to be a part of that coaching situation, which is, I think, a dream come true for for so many people. So, you know, I think if you're a Georgia fan trying to figure out how you're supposed to feel about this, I do believe gratitude and just being thankful for the ride that Del McGee has allowed Georgia to go on or or contributed to as Georgia has gone on, be grateful for that and maybe be in anticipation of what could be next with the thought of, you know, time well spent here at UGA, you know, well done, uh, you know, you know, job well done. 
and now kind of moving on to the next thing, joining guys like Fran Brown and Sam Pittman, who left the ranks of Georgia position coaches to become head coaches, this to me would be the culmination of a phenomenal success story here here at UGA. I think you want to have that, Brandon. It's one of those things where I think two things can be true at the same time. Number one, it would be a big loss for the Georgia staff because Kirby's original staff, it's just Dell McGee and it's Glenn Schumann. That's it. And there'll be another head coach coming off that that pipeline and that tree in a matter of maybe one, two, three or more years with Glenn. But the other thing that can be true at the same time, Brandon, I'd love to get your thought on this. If there's one position where you don't have to have the A++ recruiter or an entrenched recruiter at the University of Georgia and still yield fantastic results, I think that's still the running back position. I mean, the names that are being floating out, floated out there, man, Jimmy Smith would kill it, kill it in uh, at Georgia. Everybody knows him at Cedar Grove. Everybody knows him across the state. I mean, there's the current 2025 commitment out of Cedar Grove. And I think if if you would have say, asked Bo Walker, he's like, man, you're losing Del McGee, but you're going to be coached by Jimmy Smith instead. He'd be like, all right, let's go. Let's roll. I mean, that's one of those things where Dell has – going to be woven into the fabric of the Kirby dynasty here at Georgia. This this eight, nine-year run he's had, he's been great. Look at the running back recruiting. I've said before, I think his batting average on the guy he wants is well over 500%. But he's earned it. He's deserved it. And I think Georgia will be just fine with a long list of qualified candidates that would want to coach running backs at Georgia moving forward. So you mentioned Jimmy Smith uh, now at Arkansas, you know, formerly Cedar Grove head coach. There's also you also hear about, you know, uh, Crawford, the uh, tech wide receivers coach, Josh Crawford, as a possible candidate uh, for the Brian McClendon thing. So let me ask you this. Is there something to the um, I guess the, the the ties to Georgia high school football that connects these two things? The fact that Crawford shows up as a McClendon replacement candidate, the fact that Smith is showing up as a Georgia running backs, you know, coach replay. Do you think this is a situation where Georgia's saying, hey, we're looking for guys that have deep ties to Georgia high school football? We want to beef up our connection to Georgia high school football. Is there something intentional about that? Is there a connection about the fact that we're hearing both Crawford and Smith showing up as assistant coaching candidates right now? I think it's probably a byproduct, Brandon, of it's kind of late in the game and you want to make sure the guy hits the ground running. I'll give you an example, Josh Crawford. Uh, Kirby's kind of got a type. It's, you know, we've talked about Terrence in the past. We talked about Heinz Ward in the past, but it looks to me like Kirby Smart's hire is going to have the resume. You know what I mean by that? That means he's going to have the high school coaching, but he's going to have the college coaching. He's going to have the position coach at somewhere at the college level along the lines. I mean, Dell, people people remember Dell came to Georgia high school ranks, and then he was at Georgia Southern, and he was the interim head coach at Georgia Southern as well. So, you know, you need to have some of that street cred of college coaching uh, kind of on your resume. I, I agree with you. Uh, Georgia fans would backflip for, for Terrence Edwards. I'm going to tell you something about Crawford, though. Uh, Crawford has got – and this is rare, Brandon, and this is not – this is not kick Georgia Tech in the hind parts day, but, like – I can't remember the last time Georgia was in a top eight with Georgia Tech for a player they really wanted, and that's Travis Smith. And Georgia Tech's in there. And, yeah, Tech threw the ball around a lot. Buster Faulkner did a great job. But Josh Crawford was a big reason for that. And, you know, one of the things I asked Travis Smith Jr., who I don't I don't mind saying I feel like he's the top wide receiving tar- wide receiver target for Georgia right now on the board. Maybe there's a couple others that a lot of folks don't know about, but – 
I think it's Travis Smith. And I said, I asked Travis this week. I said, Hey man, what, what's the feeling like with Josh Crawford? I was like, does Georgia get right back into that thing with Josh? If Josh Crawford becomes the next wide receivers coach. And he was almost like, yeah, like he was using like descriptive language to describe the way he really likes Georgia tech. Georgia tech made his top eight with schools like Oklahoma and Auburn and Alabama schools like that in Georgia, of course. And the big reason for that is Josh Crawford. Yeah, and that's really interesting. And I think that Crawford's an interesting name. And I also say this about Terrence, too. Terrence is 44, 45, something along those lines. I mean, Terrence is still a very young guy from a coaching standpoint. And to me, Terrence is going about his business in the exact right way. He's been an assistant coach at top programs, most recently Milton. They just won the 7A state championship. Uh, he's worked with a lot of, you know, DeBron Gatling's what, going to Texas A&M. Like, you know, he's worked with big-time receivers with his high school program. He's obviously coached a million of those with his individual coaching stuff. To me, Terrence is going about his business in the exact right way. And Jeff, you know, now he's a head coach. He could take 10 years become a college coach and still coach for another 20 years after that. I mean, you know, from a coaching standpoint – the clock is not ticking on Terrence Edwards. Terrence Edwards could absolutely one day be a big-time coach at a place like Georgia or anywhere, any, anywhere else. That's the good thing about coaching. It can be a really long-term proposition. Now, obviously, some guys are younger and, and, and they're already in coaching. And, you know, listen, sometimes, you know, uh, good fortune sort of strikes whoever. But the point is, is like if, if Terrence Edwards doesn't get the Georgia coaching job right now, he's obviously very happy with the job he just took. That, who's to say what the next five, six, seven, eight, nine years could look like, which seems like a long time to wait. But at that point in time, you're still talking about being early 50s and a couple of decades, if you want it, of of of, of chance to be a college coach that, 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 that the coaching profession can still be a long-term proposition if you want it to be. I think Terrence, uh, to put it simple, Brandon, he's not only a Georgia guy, he's not only a guy that, <clears throat> kind of was in the program. So like, you know, BMAC was a former alum. Terrence was a former alum, but he sets records at Georgia. He's in the record book. Here's the other thing. He is a fantastic teacher. Like Georgia's top, maybe two, two or three highest rated targets in the state, CJ Wiley, uh, Travis Smith Jr., who we just mentioned, those guys train with him, man. And so like he can coach the breaks off that position. He could coach it fantastically. And I mean, that's a guy you sit there and, does he check all the boxes? Does he have that college resume? No, but you want to talk about a guy that would get Georgia up to speed and make a C.J. Wiley smile really big when he hears that news or he, a Travis Smith Jr. smile really big when he has that news. And I think the other thing is the way Terrence looks at receivers, I mean, he's a great judge of talent. I'll throw some more flowers his way. And I remember talking to him about Brock Bowers but when Brock Bowers had just committed to Georgia. And he's like, they don't have anybody like that. Brock Bowers is going to be – incredible at the university of georgia um, he was dog stradamus at that he called his shot and then we all know what brock bowers became to be so he is a great judge of talent i think the way he evaluates receivers he he really wants them to stress hand eye he really wants to stress coordination the route tree getting to the top of your routes but speed is another thing that he he says separates a lot of guys he wants receivers he wants Georgia to sign receivers. He gets enthused by seeing Georgia sign receivers and play receivers that everybody's scared about, that they're going to take the top off of a defense. And I think a lot of the stars would be in line there with Terrence. And I don't think anybody, Joe, analyst, critic, would have much to say if Georgia brought Terrence Edwards in one year from now, three years from now, five years from now to coach receivers. I'd love to think it is a, it is an eventuality 
that Terrence will be coaching for his alma mater one day. Yeah, I believe he absolutely is on the kind of track to get that done. He's doing real coaching, developing himself as a coach. I think he's on that track, and I think it's the kind of thing that you could see play at some point in time in the future if it's not quite in the cards here for 2024. I just believe that's the kind of track yeah. that he's on, and I think he'd be an outstanding hire in the event that was made. Now, let me do two things with you real quick here, Jeff. Um, uh, two things here real quick for you. On the wide receivers coach, uh, the other name that comes up with a lot of fans is Heinz Ward. I know you asked uh, Travis Smith about Ward the other day. What I said before you joined us is, and I want y- your confirmation on this if you can provide it. Look, Heinz Ward is also kind of doing his own path here to become a coach. He's been pretty serious about taking jobs various places. But Kirby Smart's a very quiet, private person. He just moves in silence. The fact that Ward has been so open about this sort of doesn't feel very Kirby smartish to me. I, I, I've met Hines a couple times, seems like a good dude, but you know the fact that he has talked so openly about this job, and personally, I don't mind somebody saying, I've got professional aspirations, this is what I'd like to do. I don't mind him doing that, but the fact that Ward has done this as loudly as he has, that just doesn't feel like a very Kirby smart thing to me. Do you think that's a fair statement? I think it's fair. Um Maybe Hines might be a little bit different because of the DGD status, the NFL status. And we know uh, he'll have no trouble teaching his wide receivers how to stop block. Oh, no. If he, yep, if, he right. would, if he would be the the hire there. And, you know, is it the flash hire? I mean, you got to think, Brandon, Hines Ward is also running back at the University of Georgia for some time as well. So, you know, he's actually kind of got a crossfit there with the two of the two of these openings right now. Excuse me potential opening at running back at the running back spot here. Let me be judicious and fair with all that. But um, I think, you know, I don't, I get what you're saying. Like you don't get a job at the university of Georgia by publicly campaigning for it. And I don't know if it's publicly campaigning others than just being honest. And maybe yeah. that's a way for him to always respect and represent the G and the alma mater. And certainly fans get excited about that. But um, you know, Kirby and Hines are very chummy. I remember Early Kirby, I think it was like the 2016 North Carolina opener, um, back at the back at the dome, I believe, and it was like, it was like Kirby and him looked linked up, and they were laughing, and they were they looked like two bulldogs on a Saturday night after a big win against Auburn or something. They were having so much fun that that instant connection, you know, when you get around your college friends and everybody feels like 10, 15 years younger. I mean, Heinz Ward, I think, would also be champion. I think he would also be celebrated. I want to come back to one point about um, Terrence. You know, the Milton resume is strong. He's got yeah. a he's got a player at South Carolina, but folks forget that he was also at Pace Academy yeah. as the wide receiver coach for a lot of years. It's not like Terrence just walked into training wide receivers. He trained guys like Jaden Hazelwood. He can't trade a guy train guys like Trey Blunt. Like yeah. he's been around a while. He's got those stripes. He's got those pelts on the wall as a coach. And you know, his coaching tree in terms of working with elite high school talent, Brandon, he worked with, he's worked with guys like Pierce Sperling. He's That's worked right. with guys like Oscar Delp. You want to talk about instant street cred, respect, brand name across Georgia football. That's great. The fans would celebrate that. But that also in that locker room, everybody would know who Terrence Edwards is. And when he speaks, people are going to listen. I think that's exactly right, Jeff. Uh, that's really, really good stuff. Uh, really strong. Appreciate that, uh, and we'll obviously read a lot more from you at DogNation.com. Next time, we'll get back to the traditional recruiting stuff. I know you had a great story about uh, uh, Julian Lewis, so we'll get back to that here next week. But thanks for helping us get caught up on what might happen with Del McGee, who, what, what is happening with Brian McLennan. We appreciate your insight on all that.
Hey, man, glad to have you back. Guys, you can tell when B.A.'s back after a break, he, he says that good morning. He gets that chest in his voice, and he's ready to roll when it's been a while. He puts a little extra thump into that thing. I appreciate that, Jeff. We'll look forward to talking to you soon. All right, good stuff with Jeff Sintel there. We're also going to kind of keep it rolling here there as well, bring on our next guest here too because he's obviously got a lot of insight in kind of how the Georgia program operates and kind of what these assistant coaches mean. And it's always great to get the insight here as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take with the former uh, Georgia quarterback here, Jake Fromm, who's in the midst of his offseason, getting ready for what's next in his NFL career, but also kind enough to talk some Georgia football with us here on a regular basis. So, Jake, we appreciate you uh, being a part of the show and getting a chance to speak to you live here today. That's always a lot of fun. Hope you're uh, doing well and uh, good to have you as part of the program. Hey, always good to be here. Thank you for having me. I love the hat, by the way, for those watching on video. Georgia till I die. I would say, Jake, yeah. that's something a lot of our audience can relate to. We are Georgians until the day we leave this uh, this earth here. So uh, that hat's uh, pretty cool. I think it speaks for a lot of our audience for sure. Yeah, I'm pumped. It's a great uh, Peach State Pride hat that was given to me. And, uh, yeah, I I'd say it speaks to me a lot, and uh, I like it. I think it looks sweet and probably be wearing it around uh, a good bit here lately. I, I like that for sure. So uh, Georgia's got a wide receivers coach opening, Brian McClendon, going back to the NFL here. I want to ask you a couple things about this. I guess just basic level question to begin with here. You know, as a quarterback, you're obviously throwing to wide receivers. But for the fans who don't have an idea, what is – like, like, how involved is the position coach? We talk about position coaches a lot as it relates to recruiting. But from a day-to-day -day standpoint, how influential is a position coach like wide receivers coach going to be for those guys on on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, I mean, I mean, very. I mean, they're a, a, a position coach. I mean, they're a, a guy that you know, whatever position it is, what what position group, uh, those are the guys. Uh, that that they lean on, who they're getting coached by, um, who, who's helping them out, reaching out to them on a day to day basis, um, and then you know position coaches depending on uh, their role, like different position coaches have different uh, scheming and. Uh, roles throughout the week and you know one could be third down one could be red zone one could be short yardage one could be goal line there's so many different things that you could do on a week-to-week -week basis as far as game planning goes and you just don't know exactly what those roles are he could have had a lot on his plate he could have had um, very little but you know knowing coach uh, the way I do I, I assume he probably had a lot on his plate and uh, and did a lot for the offense uh, from a game planning standpoint uh, week to week so how much do you kind of buy into, and I can't remember if you and I talked about this before or not, but, you know, for some people, they're going to want to put the Brian McClendon thing into the, what looks like an emerging trend of, you know, guys who have longtime ties to college football, and I would say successful college coaches leaving to go to the NFL. The perception here is, I don't think Brian McClendon's spoken about this publicly, but the perception here is, oh, well, if you've got a chance to go to the NFL, now you want to because college coaching has gotten too difficult because of transfer portal and re-recruiting your own roster and things like that. How seriously do you take that, that, oh, when a guy like McClendon, who's been such a you know good college coach when he's leaving to go you know back to the NFL, that, that perhaps that's a sign here that there's trouble afoot and there's an exodus of coaches from college football. How seriously do you take something like that? I think this is huge, and I think it's serious. I think this is like an, an actual thing that uh, these coaches are thinking about, uh, especially coaches with with families, with young families. Um, and, and it's not that the NFL it doesn't require the same amount of time. I mean, in, in a way, it does, but, but you know what the offseason looks like, and there's not this 
full court press on recruiting when you're not doing football, right? Um, yeah, you, you know, you, you have a little bit of the draft process in here and, and there, and you do have OTAs in the offseason, but it's just, it's not quite the same. So uh, I definitely think this is a trend that's going to continue uh, to be around. And I, I think it's just something to continue to watch. Um, and especially this this offseason and this um, new coaching hire and carousel, um, I, I feel like I saw more this offseason than I ever have. Yeah, I mean, it's as simple as just in the NFL, you know your roster set. Now, listen, week-to-week, game-day prep, you're working as hard as anybody. You're working as hard as possibly can be worked. But, you know, when it comes to, like, the draft, the free agency, you know, the the, the training camp and who's actually making the 53-man roster, you know, that when the roster is set, the roster is set. And it seems like there's just a little bit less roster stability in college football right now. Do you think there's anything that can be done about that? Obviously, Anytime the NCAA tries to sort of make a new rule, it seems like it gets shot down in court. Do you think there is something that could be done to give a little bit more roster stability to college football? Or do you think it's just sort of okay of, hey, you get paid a lot of money, this is how it's going to be. If you want to stay in college football, we're going to ask you to do a bunch of crazy stuff. I mean, like what? Like, where do you see the future going with all of this? Yeah, I, I think probably the next step is going to be signing kids to two-year contracts. Um, you know, coming out of high school, hey, you're going to get a, a two-year contract, uh, X number of dollars, X number of deals. Um, and, you know, like they're, they're, they're roped into being there for two years, where it used to be, you know, four, you know, maybe five. Um, and then as of lately, it, it's been one, but I, I think probably two-year contracts will be something that that shows up just to have a little bit more stability uh, with the roster um, on a on a year in and year out basis. I think that's really interesting. Another story that's out there right now, and this is not official, but it certainly could be uh, maybe at any point in time. Looks like Del McGee has become a really strong candidate to become the next head coach at Georgia State. That's a guy that's been at Georgia since you were there. He's one of the first you know assistant coaches that Kirby Smart hired. And I guess I'm just sort of curious about your reflections on Del McGee. It seems like the guys who've played with him say nothing but great things about him. Uh, I've had a few interactions with him. I've always been really impressed with him. He just comes across as a very believable guy. You know, uh, obviously just a uh, the, the type of guy that you want around a program. What were your interactions like with Coach McGee? And if it is true that he's about to end his time here at UGA, how valuable do you think he's been to the program? Yeah, I think uh, Coach McGee's track record speaks for itself. Uh, he's done a great job. One, I mean, as a coach, yes, he, he knows ball. Uh, he knows X's and O's, but uh, he's a fantastic recruiter. I mean, look who who all has been in yeah. his room uh, since, you know, Kirby's been there at Georgia, had a lot of really, really good football players. And, um, you know, he, he knows the state of Georgia and 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 everything uh, that goes on with high school football. He's just he's so involved and he's got a pulse on the state, um, like just like kind of no other. Like um, and I, I'm really looking forward to if, if he does get this opportunity and wants it, uh, I think he'll uh, he'll do some really great things. Well, I think that's really good. And you mentioned his ties to Georgia high school football. And obviously, this guy was a coach at Carver in Columbus. And, yep. you, you know, Georgia high school football as well as anybody. And it seems like. And talking about replacing him or replacing McClendon, you know, this idea of, you know, strong ties to Georgia high school football, that's kind of coming back up again in this discussion. How important do you 
think that is? I mean, it's obviously a valuable thing, but but how valuable do you think that is to be someone like McGee who, I mean, he has the key to the city in Columbus, basically, and obviously he's been very influential in the Atlanta area, too, with guys who played position other than running back. When you know the state as well as a guy like McGee knows it, and when you think about guys that Georgia could hire that also have similar ties, how valuable do you think that is? Oh, that's huge because you know he's going to get some really good football players there um, just because of his recruiting presence, because of his relationships that he knows. And uh, as long as he hires decent with X's and O's, uh, they'll be a very, very successful uh, football program. I want to ask Jake one more question here in a moment. Let me remind you, though, this is our Kroger Fresh Take with Jake Fromm here on Dog Nation Daily here today. And don't forget, if you want to speak of Kroger, take advantage of the great membership opportunity from Kroger. You want more time to enjoy the things you love this time of year on the weekends. You want more money to spend, uh, putting more money back in your pocket and giving you more time to do the things you love. That's what Kroger Boost is all about. It's the membership model from Kroger. If you go to Kroger.com slash boost, you can learn more about that. Kroger.com slash boost to learn more about that. Get twice the fuel points on the things you're already buying from Kroger and take advantage of free grocery delivery there as well. All kinds of great incentives to become a member of Kroger Boost. So find out more, Kroger.com slash boost. That's Kroger.com slash boost. All right, Jake, one last thing for you here for a moment. I know you're kind of an outdoorsman, so I'm not sure how much video games you've ever played in your life, but the EA Sports College football games coming back, I was thinking about you a little bit because you're of the age where if you did like video games, you could have played it quite a bit. But you were also in kind of that weird gap in which there wasn't a game. How disappointed yeah. are you that uh, you never saw your face? I mean, I guess you could have created a player like the rest of us sort of did. But uh, how, how disappointed are you that you never saw your face on the EA Sports College Football video game? Carson Beck's going to be in it. A lot of these guys are sort of opting into the game right now. Are you disappointed that there was never an official Jake Fromm playing in the EA Sports College Football video game? Yeah, you know, I got to be honest, I probably I, I'm slightly disappointed. You know, I, I'm not a huge video game person, but I mean, I did grow up playing, yeah. you know, the college football team growing up. Uh, for whatever reason, I always played with Texas and Colt McCoy. I was a big okay. Colt McCoy fan growing okay. up. Um, but yeah, I mean, that would have just been a, a, a cool just thing, you know, for a, for a young kid who grew up playing the game and now get to to see themselves on the game. So, yeah, I, I'm a little disappointed, but it, it is uh, fun and neat to see the game coming back around, coming full circle. And um, I know a lot of these these young players are going to uh, get to experience that and, and and have fun with that. But you've, I guess, probably been in, but you've been in a video game now. You've been in Madden, I guess. So so I, I guess mm -hmm. you, so you've seen your face uh, pixelated on a video game <laughs> screen, I guess. So yeah. what's that like, by the way? Yeah, I mean it's uh it's it's fun. Um, to be honest with you, I mean I hadn't picked up a video game, and uh, especially a football one in a long time. So um, I hadn't really probably had that experience. But it's it's really fun to have like you know my my cousins uh, come come to you know my sure. younger cousins oh, come yeah. to me oh, and be yeah. like, hey, you know I I played with you. And, you know, I threw for like 600 yards and seven touchdowns the that's other day. Awesome. So that's always kind of fun, you know, and um, kind of just it's it's enjoyable just to to have other people get to enjoy it. Yeah, I'm not big into video games either. Now, my son's excited about this. I'm sure he and I'll play this together, but I'm not that big into video games. I am big into football cards, though. Do you have any of your football cards? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I got, I got a few. Me and my brother... Uh, Dylan, we had a, uh, a a pretty big infatuation with uh, baseball cards and football cards oh, growing yeah. up. So yeah. we uh, we we've been through that and 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 got plenty of binders to show for it. Do Do you have any of your own though? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I got a few that um that I've saved from um coming out and you know with the draft and signing all the all the cards that they made me sign. So uh, I've definitely kept a kept a few uh, over the years. One of these days, I want to talk to you more about that because that that to me is a fascinating process. I love to hear more about that in the yeah. future. We'll save that for some yeah. other time. Jake, thank you so much for being here as part of our Kroger Fresh Take today. Great to get your insight on Coach McGee, what might be next for him, and perhaps. Uh, what could be going down there with the Georgia wide receivers coach there as well. Really appreciate that. I hope you have a great weekend. Brandon, thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Good stuff. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, really good stuff from uh, Jake Fromm there on what really what it's like Del McGee on the inside and kind of what a guy like that has meant to Georgia and kind of the wide receivers coaching position there as well. Pretty fascinating stuff coming there on that front. Obviously, Jeff Sintel, a little bit before that, kind of getting into the nuts and bolts of some of those names that Georgia could be looking at uh, in a replacement for Brian McClendon, what could be a replacement for Del McGee there, too. So with all that said, now it's time to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And obviously, we are getting very, very excited. The Dog Nation cruise here coming up in just a matter of moments, down to the wire on that April 22nd, leaving out of Port Canaveral, going to Nassau on the Bahamas, going to Perfect Day Coco Cay, going to have uh, just an unbelievable experience there, bigger than it's ever been before on Allure of the Seas. We actually have an Allure of the Seas related uh, golden shoe coming up here in a little bit. It's your time to join us, though. I believe you still have a little bit of a limited opportunity to squeeze in there, uh, kind of final days there and all that. Jessica Slater, great travel agent. She's the one to check out on that. You can give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. Also, email her, jslater at dreamvacations.com. Once again, that's jslater at dreamvacations.com. If you want more information about the Dog Nation cruise, you can check out royaldogs.com, too. That's the uh, website to go there to uh, find out about all the things going down. But you can also talk to Jessica about the other great things going on with a uh, Royal Caribbean. We just had the debut of Icon of the Seas. You know how fun that has been. We've had a great time with that. But you've also got Utopia of the Seas debuting uh, here in July there too. Also going out of Port Canaveral, doing those three and four night sailings on an Oasis class ship. Just a wonderful experience. Going to be incredible. So we can't wait to see you on the Dog Nation cruise. And can't wait to talk to you about all the great things that Royal Caribbean's got going on here for 2024 there as well. Prior to that, though, let's talk about a couple of the big stories that are out there. Interesting stuff from Ross Dellinger uh, about the fact that we don't even have a 12-team college ball playoff officially in place yet. This is the year that's starting, but we're already hearing chatter about further expansion after that and perhaps a little bit of a power play on the part of the SEC and the Big Ten for just a little bit of a larger slice of the pie on all of this. I want to read this from Ross. This is coming out on Wednesday. He writes, change is coming to the next iteration of the college football playoff. He says, get ready for more automatic qualifiers. In a nine-hour meeting on Wednesday in Dallas, the CFP leaders explored new playoff models that included granting multiple automatic qualifiers to, to four power conferences in a 14-team format. So for 2024 and 2025, we're at 12. Ross Dellinger reporting you could already be moving your way to 14. And then the uh, SEC and the Big Ten want more of those teams in the playoff, perhaps as many as four teams from each of those conferences. So here we go. You know, I think that's one of the things that some people kind of push back on when the playoff expanded to 12. It was just going to be sort of a short-term thing before you move to 14, before you move to 16. Generally speaking, I'm not really against that. I, I think a 16-team playoff would probably be fine. 
I think once you get beyond that, you've probably gotten maybe a little too large to sort of preserve some of what made college football what it is. But it's important to note here. And, you know, in the sort of broad category, I am more of a traditionalist than someone who's embracing a lot of radical change. You know, I, I think there's, in some cases, a little too much change too quick coming to college football. But the one thing I think it's fair to point out here is that sometimes people want to put this on the players. Uh, players want to transfer or players are holding out for NIL. But I think that some people kind of put this on the players as those who are sort of strongly pushing the NIL and, or I should say strongly pushing college football in the direction of change. I think when you see stuff like this, you sort of realize, well, you can't necessarily just sort of hold the players out and saying, you guys being greedy is what's messing all of this up. When you see the people who run the sport, the commissioners, CFP committee types, the athletic administrator types, they are just as willing to sort of trample on tradition to make more money as some people would have sort of accuse the players of being. So in some respects, what you have going on here are the players simply watching what the so-called adults, what the administrators are doing and saying, well, if you're going to chase down every dollar you can possibly get, then we're going to do the same thing. That's at least the thought process, here, which is, is that right now there's really nobody fighting for, you know, the good of the sport, the traditions that ought to be preserved, that everything, the other day when it was sort of talked about, oh, the SEC and the Big Ten, they're going to come together, they're going to work together. And it was initially sort of spun as they're going to try to solve some of the problems related to the sport. Truth is, everything we've heard since then, and Ross Dellinger's been the guy that's reported most of this, everything we've heard since then is not that, oh, the, the Big Ten, the SEC are working together to solve problems. No, it's the SEC and the Big Ten working together to preserve every financial opportunity possible and every dollar that's not nailed to the floor. How do we scoop this up? How do we guarantee ourselves all of that? And the truth is, the, the playoffs should be mostly SEC and Big Ten teams. I'm not, from a structural standpoint, necessarily all of that uh, much against that. I'm just simply saying that, you know, right now you essentially see the administrative level of the sport behaving the same way that sometimes the players are accused of behaving, which is, oh, you're trampling tradition in, in search of the almighty dollar. I mean, aren't the administrators here basically doing the same thing? I'm not against going from 12 teams to 14 teams necessarily. I wouldn't even be against going to 16 teams necessarily. And I'm not against the SEC and the Big Ten having a larger share of all of this. But when all anybody is thinking is, how do we make this bigger so we can make more money, you kind of wonder where the good of the sport and, and what's what's proper to sort of maintain college athletics as we've known it. You kind of wonder where that is in all of this, and it's not obvious that it's anywhere, at least here for right now. Here's a strange story. I saw where Eli Gold, who has unfortunately battled some health problems, and obviously that's a very serious thing, but Gold is now out as Alabama play-by-play -play man. And I think this was initially – and he'd been kind of doing only home games. We talked last week about a guy named Chris Stewart. Uh, Stewart's been doing the away games and the, the playoff games, things like that. Um, and I think that Eli Gold wanted to maintain that, 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 that arrangement, but it sounds like that's not what Alabama wants. And so Gold is now no longer going to be doing the games at all. And Eli Gold put out a message saying, it's not a retirement. This is not a retirement, basically, that Alabama wanted to go in a different direction, which obviously gets a lot of attention because Eli Gold had done those games forever, which is an odd thing. That's just a, a really strange thing. And you sort of hate that a situation like this is coming to an end the way that it is. I told you all before, though, 
uh, you know, God willing, I live this long. You know, you better get ready for the same thing for me one day, four decades from now. Uh, I am not giving up any job, certainly not this one, uh, willingly. So I'm doing Dog Nation Daily or whatever it is that I'm doing at that point in time. There'll be conversations happening in a boardroom somewhere about, you know, it's about time we tell BA that it's time to hang it up and go spend time more with, you know, you can just go step away from the, from, from, from work. But that I can promise you, that's one of those things I will not be looking to do willingly. So I'll be trying to hold on as long as I can, you know, one day in the future. So from that standpoint, I don't necessarily fault Eli Gold for wanting to hold on to the job as long as he possibly can. Uh, one day in the future, I'm sure I'll be the exact same way. In fact, I can guarantee you right now, that's the way that I'll be. I'll be in my 80s, still trying to do this job. I mess up names and stuff like that. Now, I won't know anybody's name by however many decades in the future we're talking about here. But I'll still be holding on, trying to do the job. So... I guess from that standpoint, I sort of understand where Eli Gold is uh, coming from. I'll also mention this here. Uh, I know Jeff had a really good story at DogNation.com about Julian Lewis. We'll kind of talk more about the Juju stuff and the things like that with uh, Jeff here in the future. We'll give you an update, though. Uh, Lewis has kind of given you the schedule for his next crop of visits here. You've got Bama coming up on March 8th, Georgia again on March 14th, going to Auburn on March 16th, going to Colorado on March 22nd. And then the school that he's actually technically still committed to, USC, he'll be visiting them on March 30th. So the the kind of newly reclassified 2025 quarterback, Julian Lewis, gives you his next round of uh, visits there. So uh, something worth following. He was on campus in Georgia at the beginning of this month. He'll be back again come March. We'll watch that as it relates to Julian Lewis. And we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. <laughs> As we wrap up here today, uh, a couple of golden shoes to give you just for a moment. So George on tap sends this. We don't do any politics around here. We try to stay away from that. But uh, apparently a well-known politician of the day was gifted a pair of golden shoes. <laughs> and so George on tap sent this to me. He said, presented without comment, knowing that we don't really talk about politicians here very much. But there you go. Apparently somebody's trying to encroach on our golden shoes a little bit there. So hashtag golden shoe indeed. Uh, we'll keep our golden shoe and leave the politics to the politicians. But there you go, George on tap trying to get me in trouble by stirring the pot there on that. Uh, Inlet Dog, though, sends this, and I love this. He says, this may not be the Dog Nation cruise, but my family just boarded Allure of the Seas for the very first time. Go dogs. I love everything about this. First of all, a happy family enjoying a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. There's nothing that speaks to my heart more than that. And the fact that the first thing they did right when they got on board, sending a quick note to me, you have no idea how much that means to me because I love to see folks enjoying their Royal Caribbean cruise vacations. That is an awesome thing to be able to see. So Inlet Dog, hope you enjoy that for sure. On board Allure of the Seas, make sure you tell us how all of that goes down. We will give you a golden shoe there as well and allows these stinking gators no vacations to enjoy, uh, really nothing of any note to enjoy. Uh, certainly no golden shoes to enjoy, although they've provided plenty of enjoyment for us in the golden shoes throughout the years. It's also been 1,203 days since Florida's beaten Georgia. We'll make that our Gator Hater Updater. Hope you all have a great weekend. It's great to be back. I'll see you back here on Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger.